I'm Amy Chaplin, and this is episode 61 of the Piano Pantry podcast. Today, we're going to talk about a note naming challenge I've been running in my studio for years called the One Minute Club. The main premise is simple. Students have to name and play a predetermined group of notes on the piano in one minute or less to get into the club. From my knowledge, Jane Bastian was the one who first made this popular. After seeing Susan Parody start sharing resources and tools like tracking sheets and note sets on her blog years ago, I started running the annual challenge in my studio. While I know a lot of teachers who run this challenge, I also continually come across teachers who have never heard about it, which is why I wanted to share it with you today. We'll cover things like objectives, leveling, scheduling, rewards, frequently asked questions, and more. By the end of our short time together, I hope you'll walk away having a variety of ideas of how you might be able to incorporate the annual challenge in your studio. Now, don't forget to stick around until the end to hear my special tiny tip of the week. Before discussing all the nitty-gritty details of running an annual note naming challenge, let's address the all-important question of the goal or the objective, otherwise known as what's the point? Now, you might be surprised to hear that the only goal in holding something like this is not just so students can learn their notes. Yes, there are always musical learning objectives in what we do, obviously, but there can also be other reasons for what we do besides just learning a certain musical skill. The big one for me with this has been creating an opportunity that involves almost my entire studio. I say almost because eventually, yes, they graduate from the challenge. Unless your studio is entirely made up of group classes, students do most of their piano learning work alone. I mean, do I really even need need to say the whole lonely sport phrase out loud? I don't think so. We all know it. Kids love being part of things. This is one of the reasons that makes team sports so popular. Even though a note naming challenge isn't something they do at the same time or together, it's still something that they can see everyone participating in. It creates awareness of the achievements of others in the studio and in turn, a little sense of competition. Now, a little side note here. That as I'm saying this, I'm also brainstorming that you could even run this during a group class week and have students watch each other do it, which could also maybe be a good way to build that feeling of competition a little, I don't know, anyway, just a thought. So it builds community while giving you and your students a progressive means of achievement, just as they would like with a leveled exam or festival, but with just one musical element. Now let's talk specifics and all the nitty gritty. The beauty of something like this is you can run it however you want. While you could just run it for all the students who know all their notes on the staff, I like creating levels so that all students can participate. And as I mentioned earlier, it creates a means of progressive achievement. Mine has even morphed a little over the years, depending on how I approach note reading as yours may as well. For example, when I was using Piano Safari a lot, the design I created was that the first level was the landmarks treble G, middle C, and bass C, like they use in book one, and notes that were a step or a skip above or below these landmarks. Since Piano Safari uses the skips alphabet approach to teach notes from there, the next level was all the space notes on the staff, then all the line notes, and then all the notes. 
In recent years, I've moved more towards an entirely landmark approach, as I like how it teaches like the mirrored image design of the grand staff, beginning with base F and middle C and treble G, then moving out to base C and treble C, then to the edge of the staff with low high or sorry, low F and high G, and then finally low C and high C and all the ledger lines in between the staff. Thus, my one minute club levels have shifted. I still like teaching students the skips alphabet because it's just another way of understanding the layout of the staff and how the base and treble staffs come together, but I prefer not to make it the focus of how to identify notes quickly. Another example would be is if you use Irina Gorin's Tales of a Musical Journey, then maybe your first level um, would be, as she teaches it in book one, just eight notes. Middle C for both the bass and the treble staff, and then D, E, F above the treble clef, clef and B, A, G below the bass clef. She doesn't actually introduce bass F and treble G until the beginning of book two. Anyway, I really don't want this episode to be about debating approaches to note reading. I'm only telling you this so that you can see how there's not one answer to how you design your note challenge. Do it based on how you teach note reading in your studio. The sky's the limit. You can make it three levels, five levels, or I've even seen people do 10 levels. In fact, I'm going to link to a blog post in the show notes where one of my piano teacher friends, Karen Leon, at You Love Piano several years ago shared specifics on her 10 levels. The next thing I want to address is a question that's popped up over the years regarding the amount of items, I'll call it per level. That is, do you make students do the same amount of cards, like make sure all the levels include exactly 20 cards they have to name and play in one minute? So some higher levels might have 20 different notes, and easier levels might have five notes, but with four repetitions of each note. My answer to that is, honestly, it doesn't matter. Again, do it how you like. Yes, you could do this. The only potential difficulties I could foresee with doing it this way would be the need to create multiple card sets of notes and designating levels with the exact amount of notes that could make sense in each combination. For example, if you wanted to do a level that had base C to treble C level notes, that would only include 16 notes. So which notes would you repeat? See what I mean? Now, one remedy for this would be working towards having the number of cards, as in flashcards, I'm saying, (laughs) to be close to the number, but not exactly. So maybe you could have a level that had 15 and one that had 18, you know, so that they were kind of close to the same amount, but not like extremes, like eight and then 36. Again, just brainstorming. What I have concluded for myself is I don't care if some levels have only 10 cards and they have an entire minute to do it. Now, this mindset, I think, came about when I had students who had just started lessons in January, midway through our year term, and I wanted to make sure that they could participate when we did it only a few months later. It takes a while for kiddos to name and play notes quickly, and I didn't see it as a problem if level one students finished their notes in 30 seconds. I also think that speed in naming notes comes with time, so it's okay to have easier levels that have less notes and higher levels with more notes. My personal current design, which is outlined in a blog post on the Piano Pantry website that's linked in the show notes, um, it includes five levels. They progress from 10 notes to 16 to 24, then back to 16, then 36. So their level one has 10 notes, which is from bass F to treble G. Level two is 16 notes from bass E to treble, treble C. Level three is 24 notes from low F to high G. 
which is basically all the notes on the staff that aren't ledger lines. And then level four is all the ledger lines. So it's 16 notes, including um, like high and low C and then the inner ledger line landmarks, um, G above middle C in, I'm sorry, F above middle C in the base clef and G below middle C in the treble clef. Um, and then finally, um, level five is all of the notes from low C to high C and all the inside ledger lines. So one thing I did struggle with personally was at first whether or not to include the outside ledgers that go up to three lines. Ultimately, I decided to stick with the confines of the ledger line landmark notes. Plus, um, some of the printable note sets that I was using off the internet only went from low to high C. So I don't know, that was just one way of coming up with what my levels were. So I just let the landmarks be the confines. Um, if you want physical flashcards that go out to the three ledger lines above and below the staff, I do have a recommendation, and that is the flashcard set from TCW Resources that's published by Chose. Um, they're really great quality flashcards. Next, let's talk about the benefits and options of doing it various times of the year. So you could do it at the beginning of the school year, which would work well as a kind of kickoff skill to focus on that students can then benefit from the entire year. On the flip side, though, doing it at the end of the school year can be good because students have the whole year to work on adding in new notes. And then at the end of the school year, it's like a final quiz. I've always held mine in April and we do it for the entire month and then we're done in May. And the main reason that I've done this is that it's just close to recital time when I announce the winners. Yes, you heard that right. Winners, which I will discuss with you in just a second. But first, let's finish the conversation about the time of year. So quick story. Um, recently on Instagram, there was a teacher from Washington State who is at Music Con Brio on Instagram. Anyway, she was sharing how she was running what she called the March Minute Madness Challenge in her studio. And I loved the play on words using, of course, the college basketball March Madness phrase. So it made me do a double take. So I sent her a message saying how I love the idea. I've honestly never loved the title One Minute Club. I mean, I don't know. It's not like they're getting into an actual club. <laughs> um, but I've never had a better idea. So I just stuck with it. Anyway, funnily enough, this teacher said she had actually heard about the whole note challenge from my blog years ago, which I thought was funny. Small world. So I'm about to run my studio's challenge after spring break, so I can't do it this year, but I'm 90% sure I will change over to doing it before spring break because I love the title March Minute Madness. The only tricky thing would be that I take two weeks off at spring break, but March is a long month, so you could potentially have three weeks to run the challenge, even if you start at the end of February. I do like the idea of not doing any note work in the final month and a half of the school year, so we'll just see where that takes us. As we roll into the end of our little chat today, let's cover the final element, awards. So what does it mean for them to get into the club? There's two ways you could structure your reward system. And this is part of what used to be the biggest struggle for me and like particularly like using the term one minute club. Um, so the first way that you could run it is literally like, like they're getting into a club. So anyone that completes the assigned level within a minute or less gets the pride of getting into the club along with whatever reward you may designate, whether that be a candy bar or if you throw a big pizza party they can attend or something like that, however special you want to make it. The other way of doing it is that you could simply congratulate them that they achieved their level 
And then once they hit that level, it's like, okay, now you're officially in the running for the competition to be the fastest in that level. And this is what I do. So they're competing for the fastest time in that level, not necessarily just to be able to name it in a minute or less. Part of the reason I've done this is that most students can get their level of notes in a minute. I don't know. I hate to say pretty easily, but pretty easily. I feel like the competition gets them a little more excited and thus also contributes to the community feeling within the studio. If students don't complete the level in the time allotment given, which happens, but hasn't happened a lot, it's something that I simply just share with the parents and it's just a good awareness to know what the student may need to work on. So then I have a winner in each level who gets a $5 gift card to Walmart. So the nice thing about that is, again, you can have multiple levels that students can work for, and then you can have a winner in each one instead of just one winner overall. Now, the winner of the highest level, though, I do make this a little bit more special, and I give them a $15 gift card. They get their picture in a collage that hangs in my studio of all the past winners, and they officially graduate from ever having to do it again, which admittedly, honestly, by that point, they love. Phew, I thought this would be a short episode, but there's a lot of little elements to talk about here. Again, the good news is there's no right or wrong way to do it. Just get started and then tweak it each year as you need. So thinking about this approach with the whole March Minute Madness theme has gotten my brain juices going on how we could even morph something like this into more than just note names. I mean, maybe you could create a whole series of achievement levels that students work toward, like in Scouts. And March is when they display their skills and work towards these achievements, you know, just kind of like a festival. Um, You could do things like identifying beginner level music term flashcards or playing all 12 major one, four, five, one chord progressions with 100% accuracy in a minute or whatever. So I just think the door is wide open to this. So anyway, I hope you have gleaned some great ideas to help you integrate this challenge into your studio, whether it's this year or next year. And um, don't forget to jump into the show notes for links to a lot of the things that I talked about today. One of the most popular note learning apps I know of on the market today is NoteRush, which listens to the student playing a note on the piano and tells them if they're playing the correct note. By the way, this is not a paid ad by NoteRush. I just wanted to let you know that I created a progressive assignment series for students based on the five landmark levels I told you about today. Since you can create and link directly to custom quiz sets in NoteRush, I've created a series of hyperlinks you can assign students to practice notes progressively. Each level has been broken down into multiple levels. For example, when they're working on level five for the one minute club with all the notes, including ledger lines, one of the micro levels they practice, which I might call 5.3, is that they do all 18 notes in the bass clef from low C to landmark ledger line F above middle C in the bass clef. Then level 5.4 might be all the treble clef notes from inner landmark ledger G below middle C to high C and so forth. This saves you tons of time and helps break down the note learning process for students into small micro bits that they can build on. As a bonus, this month, the Piano Pantry blog is celebrating seven years, so you can get a 20% off discount on this or any other product in the Piano Pantry shop using the code seven years at checkout. Oops, forgot to tell you that that code is good through March 24th.
Thanks for sticking around to hear today's tiny tip, which concerns social media. If you've spent any amount of time in any of the Piano Teacher Facebook groups, you'll know tons and tons of things get posted every day, even every hour. So when you have a question you want to pose in a teacher group on Facebook, please first use the search bar. Try searching your topic using various words or phrases. Remember, a lot of these groups have been around for years, and the odds are the question you're about to ask has already been asked three different ways. You might be able to glean an answer without even having to ask your question. If it's not been addressed, then by all means, go for it. It's a great place to get a wide range of opinions and advice, but I think we can all do a service to each other by helping minimize the number of times a certain topic is addressed by looking first. For example, I was recently ready to buy a new piano bench, and without asking for examples, I did a search, and there you go, there were several posts that were already discussing the topic, and I was able to get enough information to move forward. So, search first.